In Micah, the Old Testament, chapter 6, the scene before us is like a law and order episode. There's a courtroom trial, there's lawyers, there's witnesses. Only in this particular case, we are the defendant. We're on trial for our lives, and we're trying to plead our case. The mountains and the hills, which have been around since the very beginning of time and have seen everything, are witnesses for the prosecution. And much to our horror, we find out that the prosecutor is God. And the charge is that we have failed to remember. And God sticks his finger in our face and demands to know, what right do you have to turn away from me? What right do you have to forget that it was I who brought you out of slavery, gave you a place among the nations, and redeemed you with saving acts? Don't you remember? It was all a gift from me. And as Micah continues this courtroom drama, we continue best as we can to present our weak defense before God. And by the time Micah gets to verse 8, which is the signature verse, Micah can't stand it anymore. And so he breaks into his own story in order to speak directly to us. And so I want to invite you to join with me as I share our first scripture reading of the morning. It's this very famous passage from the Old Testament, Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent you for Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Baor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in our uh, second scripture reading of the morning, uh, Jesus gives us some further instructions for faithful living with these words that I'm going to share with you that come at the end of a parable it's from Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. Once again, I invite you to follow along on the screen. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? 
And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. And now, God, we pray that you would give us hearts uh, to bring your grace into this broken world to heal and to touch, to represent Jesus Christ himself through our love and our service to you. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, today uh, we're turning to the topic of uh, social justice. Now, I have the feeling that when you think of social justice, maybe your mind leaps to things like immigration issues or gender equality, sexism, or racism. And while these are real issues and, in fact, should be addressed, the actual term social justice carries a lot of baggage with it. And we may associate it with illegal aliens, Black Lives Matters, Gay Pride Month, and other groups that seem to be pushing an agenda through their own megaphone. Well, today I would like to try and look at social justice through the bigger lens of the biblical witness. What does God's word have to say about social justice? How do we respond to God's call regarding this red hot topic? Well, one thing we know for sure is that social justice is a big issue for God. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for justice appears more than 400 times. We are familiar with the great commandment in the Bible, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We're also familiar with the great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, God establishes the great requirement. If we want to show our love for God, God provides us with some specific instructions. We are to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Micah asks a question that is very important to you and me as we live our lives of faith in 2023. He asks in verse 8, what does God want from me? So let me ask you, have you ever wondered about that? What does God want from me, really? Well, the prophet Micah wondered about it plenty. He wondered what it was the Lord wanted from him. In verse 6, he wonders, does God want ceremonies and burnt offerings? In other words, hey, God, if I did better sacrifices and, and more exciting worship services, is that what would please you? And Micah then even goes way over the line in wondering if he should follow the religious habits of those neighboring pagan countries who even practice child sacrifice. And so he asks, shall I offer my firstborn son for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Uh, God, should I be doing what those other religions around me are doing? And God says, no, I don't want any of that stuff from you. Don't you understand? You can't pay me off with a bribe what I want is you he has told you O mortal what is good 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? In the Bible, to do justice means to live by God's standards regardless of what the people around you may be doing. This is about action. It's having the quality of moral rightness. But notice, if you're listening, it says, do justice. God is not particularly impressed with the sincerity of our beliefs about justice or our ability to lobby for social justice or to vote for social justice or even to demand justice for ourselves. Now, that's why the vows that are exchanged at a wedding are so important. It's sort of like the pastor who had to set the groom straight during the exchanging of vows, and this was right in the middle of the wedding ceremony. The pastor said, uh, young man, it's I do, not whatever. <laughs> justice is something we do. And by doing justice, you see something that is unfair, and then you try to level the playing field. And in Micah's day, there was plenty of injustice against certain people. We know that the poor were driven out of their homes and off their land. There was corruption in the courts. Nicholas Walderstorff is an American philosopher and theologian, and he offers a rather helpful description of the people that Micah was referring to. He refers to them as a quartet of the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor. Throughout the Bible, God points to his compassion for those who find themselves in one of these difficult circumstances. Well, it is this quartet of the vulnerable that hold a very special place in God's heart. And Micah spoke out against those who neglected the lost, the lame, the lonely, and the least of these. And then, of course, when we swing over to the New Testament, Jesus sort of expands on Micah's wor words, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. But he also introduces us to the people who are behind the issues. There's the Samaritan woman at the well, there's blind Bartimaeus, and of course, there's the woman caught in adultery, which we talked about just a few weeks ago. Every justice issue has names, faces, and a story that will break your heart. Those without clothing, those who are sick, those who sort of live on the margins of society. They're not just faces in the crowd, but these are real people, people who have hopes, people who have dreams, just like us. As the founder of the Sojourner uh, community, Jim Wallace, has said, we really have no business talking about the poor unless we know people who are poor. So let me ask you, do you know anybody who is poor? <coughs> How do we do justice for them if we don't even know them? And so to do justice means that you make this commitment to help, you come alongside, and then of course, you follow through. Another aspect in, in Micah's realm as a key to social justice is to love kindness. Now, you need to know that love and kindness is actually the same word in Hebrew. It's the word hesed, and it's a rather difficult word to translate from the Hebrew. It refers to this unshakable, unstoppable, enduring, steadfast love. And to love kindness is to experience God's love yourself and then to express that loving kindness to other people. 
couple weeks ago, we had our vacation Bible school, and you know that the overall theme for the week was shine Jesus' light, but then within each of those days, there was a specific theme, and one of those was how do we care for others, and I was struck by a little girl named Eden who found a rather unique and creative way to care for others. Eden lives in Colorado with her mom and dad and her sister, Abby. She has a ton of fun hobbies and likes to spend lots of time with family and friends. My hobbies are playing the keyboard, playing with my friends outside, and going on bike rides with my family, and play board games with my family. Eden really likes to hang out with Abby, her older sister. Eden and her sister spend time reading funny books together. Eden's mom, Joy, says that Eden and Abby have different personalities and interests. And because they have their differences, sometimes Abby and Eden argue. They do get along most of the time, sometimes not so much. But Eden has found a great way to shine Jesus' light when people don't get along. You should learn more about each other. Um, by telling each other what you like and what you don't really like, so you won't fight. In fact, Eden is a great example of shining Jesus' light when there are problems between friends. One time, Eden was playing a game of Groundies with friends. Groundies is a game like tag that is played on a playground. Well, Eden noticed that there were younger kids being left out because they were not running fast enough. The older kids were outrunning them, so they didn't want to include the younger kids in their game. She came to me and she said, Mom, can you believe that, you know, some of these older kids were not wanting the younger kids to play with them, and they were not really considering that they were younger and they couldn't run as fast as the older kids. The younger kids felt sad because they couldn't play. So I asked, if, could you slow down? And they said, okay, and then I said, let's play. Eden stood up for the younger kids who were being left out that day. She realized that if she was the one being left out, it wouldn't feel very good. Eden made sure that everyone had a friend to play with and that no one was alone on the playground. Because she helped her friends get along, Eden was given an award by her teacher. It said that she was principled that means I do the right thing um, even when nobody's watching and I also help everybody get along. Well, like Eden, we are to uh, lift up the dignity of all people because the less privileged are not less human. And Hesed, Hesed love requires that we love not just those who look like us and are like us, but those who are different from us. And then we are to walk humbly with God. Now, when I think of walking humbly with God, I can't help but think of the humility of someone like a Mother Teresa, who dedicated her life's work toward helping the poor in Calcutta, India. In fact, one time, a Mother Teresa was at Buckingham Palace, where she was to be awarded the Templeton Prize for Religion. She was given a check for $250,000. And later that day, after being escorted to Heathrow Airport, someone asked her if they could take a picture of her with the check. But when Mother Teresa went to look for the check, she couldn't find it. 
They searched high and low, but they couldn't find the check. And finally, they sent a messenger back to Buckingham Palace. And would you believe that on the very seat where Mother Teresa had been sitting was the check for a quarter of a million dollars. She, she forgot it. It just slipped her mind. Humility, humility. Did you know that the word humor, humility, and humanity all come from the same root word? Humility is taking God seriously without ever taking yourself too seriously. Now, there's another aspect to this phrase in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and it does require us to sort of de-emphasize the word humility because, believe it or not, the biggest part of this phrase is that we get to walk with God. All the word humbly means is, hey, don't forget who it is you're walking with. Some of you I know have Fitbits or some kind of device that measures how many steps you take in a day. And it helps you uh, also to calculate the calories you burn, the steps you've climbed, and how long or intense the activity. Well, friends, we cannot walk the road of justice without walking closely with God. And if you don't have a heart for justice, then it raises the question of how closely you really are walking with God. But when we do, our heart beats more and more like that of Jesus Christ. Because his priorities become our priorities. His concerns become our concerns. And Jesus' heart beats for justice because he too cares deeply for the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor. So, how about you? Unfortunately, it usually comes down to a case of if only. If only I had the time. If only I had the nerve. If only we had the money. Do you want to know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. That's the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder. And I'm one who believes that the Holy Spirit is convicting us to do great things for Jesus Christ in the areas of social justice here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. I saw the movie A Sound of Freedom last week. I have to tell you, it was hard to watch. True story, and it shines a light on really the darkest of places. After rescuing a young boy from ruthless child traffickers, a federal agent named Tim Ballard learns that the boy's sister is still being held captive in the jungles of Columbia. And so Tim Ballard, played by Jim Caviezel, decides to embark on a very dangerous mission to save her. And with time running out, he quits his job and he journeys deep into the Colombian jungle, putting his own life on the line in order to free this young girl from captivity and really a fate worse than death. Well, one scene as they're strategizing the rescue plan, another man on the team asks him, why are you doing this? And Jim Caviezel, Tim Ballard says, God's children are not for sale. Do you want to know what social justice is? Social justice is love in action. And God calls us to go beyond the barriers of race or socioeconomic status or family structures or our messed up culture to go and to serve him. Friends, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. When the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. 
We are to demonstrate Jesus Christ in every way to those who are around us. We are to live in Christ's likeness for the one who came to redeem us. As the church, we are to be like Jesus Christ in all that we say and do. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Merciful God, thank you for loving and caring for the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor. Thank you for coming to give voice, community, identity, and help to all who would receive the amazing gift of salvation that you offer. We pray that you would soften our hearts and open our eyes to discovering how our attitudes and actions could lovingly reflect your heart and priorities to the people who are around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.